Hey everybody, <clears throat> it's good to be here, talk to everybody today, um, had a rain day, so pretty happy about that, and it's actually a pretty cold day, because it, it just, I got a lot done, um, been pretty busy, again, as always, and I meant to put another episode out the other few days ago, but I've just gotten so busy, um, so I'm here, I'm here today. I have some stories here. I have some kind of like near-death encounters and a little bit of a discussion about the hat man and some some stories about angels. And I I've been I'm working on the the hellhound stuff. I I'm not I haven't gotten everything around that I want to get around for that yet. So give me a little bit more time to gather some more um I have one more interview I have to do. On that, and then I'll I'll get that out probably within the next week or two. So um, let me start out here, get some stories out to you. Okay, I am a palliative care nurse for over twenty years. I've seen and heard some amazing things. This is a woman named Lindsay. The process of the patient speaking and seeing spirits is real, believe me. And I've seen hands held by nothing. A lot of reaching out to something that isn't there and all kinds of other things that are just completely unexplainable. I'm an empath and a psychic and I see and feel energies. I can, I can tell you the room is full prior to death. We have night vision cameras with our patients to monitor the orbs and energies I see more detectable at night and it's awesome. I had one lady die. I washed her, bagged her, and moved her to our morgue. That's disgusting, but that's, that's just the way it is. She sat up in the bag and said chocolate and lay back down. Her death time had already been called, and this freaked me out. We also deal with energies who don't pass into the realm some. I'm sorry. We also deal with energies who don't pass into the realm, and some are lovely some are anno and some are annoying with moving stuff. I feel everyone is moved to the other side with assistance, like getting collected, and it's a wonderful process to be part of. That sounds really neat. The patient's communication with the other side who are waiting for them is amazing. And we as practitioners, I'm not sure what she's saying here. Hang on a second. The other side, we we are waiting for as practitioners, as it's going to end very soon. I'm not really sure what she said, what she meant with that, but that was a neat story. But just about, these were just her observations of you know what she sees on the other side. Here's a story. I did not pass to the other side. My story. I was with my best friend driving. Quite fast on February 13th, 1977. We were 19 years old. Suddenly, his right rear mag wheel broke and shot us into a river that was at high tide. I blacked out as we hit the water and woke up at the bottom upside down with my lungs full of salt water. I remember telling myself, so this is how we, you are going to die. At the same time, I told myself that I was no quitter and that I needed to try to get out. I found the side window open and pushed through, swimming up through 20 degrees of water, 20 degree water, and 
it felt like it was ice cold. I'm actually not sure what the actual degrees were, but that's what it felt like, and it was extremely deep. By my side was an angel. I broke through the surface and was transported to the local hospital. My best friend had died. For the past 42 years, I have wondered why I was saved and basically escorted to the surface. I realize I may never know for sure. Wow. And she says, peace to all. Lorraine writes, in 1978, my dad was out playing golf when he collapsed with a slipped disc in his back. The guys he was playing golf with carried him to the clubhouse where they called an ambulance. He said he was above his body watching the whole event, but he never told anyone apart from my mother. He never told me until many, many years later. He didn't want to tell anyone because he didn't think anyone would believe him. Then in 1988, he collapsed at work with a burst stomach ulcer. He was taken to the hospital and nearly died. He told me that he wasn't afraid at all because he knew it wasn't his time. When he had a heart attack and was in the hospital nine years ago and I went to see him, he told me it was his time now and it was fine. He told me everything he wanted me to do. Sure enough, he never got out of the hospital and passed with pneumonia. As me and my aunt, his sister, held his hand, he took his last breath and had a huge smile on his face. I wish I'd asked him more, or he told me more, about his first two experiences, but I do know they must have been good experiences, or he wouldn't have that big smile, and he wouldn't have accepted death so matter-of-factly. That's amazing. Um, somebody asked me this week, too. We started getting into discussion about Hat Man and what it is, and a lot of people believe that it's like the Grim Reaper, um, there are so many demons, you guys, like there's so many entities, there's so many different ones, you know, like there's so much going on and they're basically like everything that people encounter are demons or dark spirits. I mean, this planet is just loaded with these, these entities and you know, it, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. So the one that's called the hat man kind of when I was, I was actually in a discussion with this, this topic. And I, I was thinking about the story I told you guys about that vampiric looking man that stood in my, um, yard. And it, I just thought, my God, it, but that guy didn't, to my knowledge, I didn't see a hat on him that I can remember, but you know, some of the, 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 uh, descriptions of hat man kind of made me think of that. So I know of a story of a girl that she had an experience with the hat man. She said he was massive and he used to come to her window every night as she was growing up. And she always thought he was nice. She always thought like he was a friend because she was little and he was always trying to get her to go with him and she wouldn't. And he would stand out. It started out where he stood out. They lived in a house that bordered the, the, the forest bordered the house and he would stand in the forest. <laughs> this is just creepy. And he would beck he would just watch her. He would just stand there and he'd watch her and she knew he was huge. And she said he was so tall and so thin, almost like a man walking on stilts, but much taller. He came up to her window, like his face was like right at the window. 
and he wore this really top like tall top hat and she said he had she didn't know what his teeth looked like at the time so he would just stand there and he would watch her and then he would start to beckon to her and over the months that would go by and she wouldn't go she was you know like no I can't go I'm not allowed so he started coming to her window and he would visit her all the time and he would talk to her and she never really got to see his face that clearly um, not his teeth or anything and she just kind of saw his face and he would communicate like telepathically with her and he would just talk to her and he would want her to go and to come out and play with them and finally because because he was up close to the house she would she would go out he would put his hand out and she would literally go out into the window and she would get on his hand and he would walk around with her and he would bring her back and so she learned to really trust him but then it started feeling like she started getting older and it started feeling really weird you know like really kind of sinister to her like it started getting really kind of like I guess she had like a feeling that something was off and then one day she saw his teeth he smiled at her and it scared the living crap out of her because she he had these his whole mouth was just filled with these jagged teeth like they were really super sharp really long fangs all through his teeth you know that's all they were there were no square teeth they were all jagged and it scared the crap out of her so she wouldn't go out anymore she wouldn't be around him and he kept coming up to her window and she finally told him to go away and never to return and she said she watched him walk off and she said that she never really saw him she didn't see him for a long time and then she one day she was at school and she was walking home and she spotted him he was over like in this area in a wooded area and he was kind of hidden but she saw him and he was watching her and this went on for several months and she she got really creeped out by it you know because she kind of cut ties with him because I mean when you see his teeth and she started to grow up and she started to realize that this isn't you know something's wrong something's off so one day she was bullied she there was these this girl after school that bullied her so badly and she actually she actually hit her and she took something from her and she went off and you know she just you know doing the bullying thing that kids do and this little the girl was really upset you know so um she looked over and she saw that the, the hat man was in this this area again and so it was like a, they they had like all these woods around where their town was and she saw that he was watching this and she just kind of ran home and you know didn't think anything of it the next day the girl that hit her the one that was bullying her never came to school and a couple of days later they started hearing all this talk of you know they were had been looking for her there was a missing persons report issued they wanted to you know they were questioning people this little girl was never found she disappeared entirely there was never any trace of her and they never there was just nothing and this other girl that the hat man had taken a liking to for whatever reason knew that he had done it that he had taken her and probably killed her so it was a really crazy story um but it was it was just like wow so i don't know a lot about 
him. I, I don't really, I mean, there's so many demons that we don't know of. We don't know, not that we, we haven't heard their name. You know, we've heard like, you know, we've heard different, like the rake and we've heard slender man. We've heard hat man. We've heard things like that, but we don't really know a lot about them. And a lot, most people don't know where they come from, which would be, you know, obviously Satan has created this, this being or something that was created somehow, you know, through one of the dark forces. But there's just so many out there and, you know, we have to try to, that's why we do programs like this, because we're trying to get to the bottom of what's going on. We're trying to find out what's really going on out there or, and around us and, the way we're going to find out, find all this out is that we communicate all of our experiences to each other and we communicate everything we hear, we read, we see, everything. We need to get it all out there, put it on the table, and then we can kind of, you know, compare stories, come up with any kind of conclusions we can come up with. I mean, the bottom line is this is, like I told you before, this is spiritual world war and that's what we're in. We're in a spiritual battle down here, but these entities can physically harm us and they can take our lives and they can make us sick and they can harm people that we love. Some of them are so powerful. You know, some, I mean, there might be cases where Lucifer himself does the harm. So we just don't know, but I wanted to share that story with you. Um, one other story I'm going to end with, I'm not going to, I can't do too long of a program tonight because I've got some stuff to do, but, um, I wanted to tell you this other story before I end this tonight. There's a woman named Linda. I don't know. Um, I think it was Markowitz is her last name. She had an encounter with an angel, which she believed later didn't know it at the time, but she had a full blown encounter with an angel. Uh, she was driving, she was driving to see her daughter that lived, they both lived in New York, but they were two hours away and her daughter had gotten into some trouble with the law. So she had like weekly visits with her daughter. And so she set out this day to see her because it was the only day of the week she could visit her. And I think she was incarcerated obviously. And she was driving and all of a sudden she ran into a really horrendous snowstorm. And as she, so she was, you know, she was already running late and, and it was just really, you know, worrisome, and she, it was a treacherous drive, treacherous road, all the, you know, the conditions were bad. So as she was driving, she saw this man walking along the road, and she really got concerned because of the conditions, and she said she normally wouldn't, you know, pick up a stranger, but in this case, she really felt compelled to pick him up, and it really wasn't something she would normally do. So she pulled off the side of the road, and she, uh, waited for him and he came around the, the car and he said <laughs> this is what kind of cracked her up he said is there something I can help you with ma'am and she kind of chuckled and she said well actually I'm wondering if there's something I can you know if I can help you and she said you know I, I just wanted to see if you needed a ride and he said he would just be so happy and you know so thankful if she would give him a ride and she said, we'll hop in. And so he went around the car and he got in the car. And she said he was a really, like, very tall, statuesque um, from what she could see. Because it was, you know, he was, his hair was matted down from the snow. So it looked kind of messy. Um, it looked like he had, like, dirty blonde hair. And he was just, she said he looked, you know, like he was a really well put together man. And there was something about his voice and his mannerisms that just made her feel really comforted 
and calm and it was really tranquil and it was just a really neat, you know, vibe that she got from the, from this man. So she, um, they got in the car and he, and he got in the car and, and she said the first thing he did was he immediately took his shoes off and his socks and she noticed that his feet were completely blue and she couldn't believe it. She was like, my, my word, like your feet are completely blue. Like you're going to get frostbite. So she knew he must've been walking for a very long time. And he, he, he kind of proceeded to tell her that he had, you know, come from like uh, New or Mexico or New Mexico. He had been on a mission and she asked what he did. And he said he was in the service, which is really cute way. If you imagine if you were an angel and somebody asked you what you did and you didn't want to lie. So you said you were in the service as in the service of the Lord. That is really adorable. So, um, so then they got to talk and he said that he had, um, he had an assignment in like, I think it was Mexico or New Mexico. And he was sent now to like, you know, go up, you know, to like Canada or wherever. And he, he had, you know, he had to get there, <laughs> which I'm like, okay, don't they just apparate? But apparently he was meant to stop and talk to her. So we don't know if him coming into contact with her, there was a very good reason that he could have been protecting her from something that could have been there to harm her that she knew nothing about. It could have been a car accident, could have been a cryptid, it could have been a robber, it could have been anything. So there's there had to have been a, a perfectly explainable reason why he was there because if his feet were blue, and you'll understand what I mean by this in a minute. Um, so she thought it was crazy sounding. She thought in her mind that this guy's nuts, you know, that obviously he told her he didn't have transportation to get there. And she thought, well, my word, if he's in the service, you know, there's obviously going to be transportation. So it didn't ring true to her, but she just, you know, didn't say anything and just kept talking. So at, at some point she got out of the car and she asked him if she, you know, she said she had to make a call. He said that was fine. And she got out of the car and she ran over because back then there, there were no, Payphone, or I'm sorry, there were no cell phones and, you know, computers and all that stuff. We, we didn't have that stuff back then. So she had to pull off the road and use a payphone, which I miss those days sometimes. It was just, I don't know, simpler living, you know. I hate how your phone makes you feel like you're a prisoner to it. But anyway, um, so she got out of the car and she went to the payphone and she called the, um, the place that her daughter was in. And she said, you know, she had been in a was really running into bad weather and was running super late and wanted to make sure that she could still have her visit if she got there late. And they said, yes, that they would let her have her visit. So she was really happy about that. And then she realized that, you know, she left this guy who she didn't know in the car running because she wanted him to have heat because he looked so cold and she left her purse in the car and basically everything, you know, her money, her wallet, everything she needed was in this purse, you know, in case she broke down or whatever. And it scared her for a minute. She was like, oh my word, you know, what have I done? But she said she continued her conversation and they made, you know, arrangements or whatever. And then she got off the phone and she just walked to the car and she said she got in and she was relieved to see he was still there. And she glanced at her purse and she said it was still there and it looked untouched. So she was very relieved. And so they started talking. And during the course of their conversation, um, he had began to tell her that, you know, things were going to happen to her in her life certain things that were going to happen. And she was like, how would he know this stuff? She, he doesn't even know me, but he proceeded to tell her things that was going to happen in her future. So she just listened politely and she thought he was, you know, kind of a little bit wacky. Um, 
so at one point, and then at the, the certain point she got to, she said she had to let him off because she was on, he was going a certain direction and she was going another. And she said, um, she had to, you know, let him off. And he said he was fine, that that was okay. And he said it was really awesome to meet her. And he got out of the car and he went around to her window and he said, you know, thanked her for the ride. And he said, I'm going to be seeing you again very soon in the future at a time when you really need me. And she said he literally, and she just, you know, said, okay. And then he, he like took a couple steps and he disappeared. She said he just disappeared. There was nothing. She said she thought the snowstorm might've, you know, hidden something, you know, or maybe it got so bad that she wasn't seeing correctly. So she got out of the car and she walked around the car to look for him. And she said there was absolutely nothing. And she said what got her the most was what she didn't see. She said what she didn't see, there was not one footprint in the snow, not one undisturbed snowflake. There was nothing. There was no sign of him. There was nowhere he could have gone. You know, she said there was nothing, no footprints in the snow. There was not even a, an imprint. And she sat, she got in her car and just sat there for a moment and realized that she had encountered an angel, realized that she had encountered potentially the very angel that walked with her her whole life, that God assigned her to watch over her because supposedly, and I don't even want to say supposedly, but what you know we've been told is that we are all assigned an angel to walk with us throughout life. And some people at different periods of their life might need more than one. Some others come and go and, but there's usually one that always walks with you throughout your life. And that's what, when I heard the story, I felt that she literally had met her angel and he didn't disappear. He was probably with her the whole time. She just didn't see him. So, and apparently there was a reason he needed to be in her presence, something he was protecting her from. That's what I believe. So it's just a amazing story to me. So I really like to do near-death um, encounters. They just give me so much hope and just, you know, even the people that see hell. Like it, it just to know that, you know, a lot of people think that this is hell and that there is no hell. And I'm like, no, that's not correct. That's not what God says. This is not hell. Hell was created for the fallen angels and Lucifer it was not created for people. It's a very bad place and people choose to go there. God has given us a choice and we decide where we're going to go through our actions and our thoughts and, you know, what we, how we treat people and stuff. And, you know, heaven is a completely different place too. There's, you know, it's just, we have to get, you know, that out of our thoughts when people say that, that they think that, you know, hell is here now. That's not true. This is our test. This is to see what we choose. And then our real life begins when we pass through here. So be strong, you guys. You know, fight the good fight every day. Get up, put on your, your armor of God and fight. Fight these demons. Understand that every sickness, every fight you have with somebody, the arguments, the fights, divorces, the sickness, you know, cancers, you know, everything that's going on around you that's bad is because of Satan. It's, it's, it, they're attacks 
from demons and spiritual forces that are dark that are attacking you or your loved ones around you. And they're always there waiting for every chance they can get to attack you or hurt you or even kill you. So fight them. Don't give in to this. Recognize what it is that's causing the, this havoc in your life. Recognize it. When you fight with your loved one or you're having bad times with your loved one, it isn't your loved one you're fighting against, guys. It's a demon. Don't forget that. You guys take care. You have a good night, and I should be, I'm going to try to be on in a few days. I'm going to really, really try. We've got a couple of rain days coming up, and I'm going to really look forward to that. And I will, I will try to get back on and uh, do some things on the um, uh, Hellhounds and maybe find some more stories or uh, ask for, for some people to send in some stories about the hat man. I'd really like to get some vampire stories. I have heard stories about people running into real vampires. If you know of anybody that's run into anything like that, please send them my way. Have a good day rest of your night guys or rest of your day whatever time you're in and god bless you all take care